Hi, this is Bob Sorrentino from Italian Genealogy, and I'm here with a dear friend. I won't say an old friend, but a dear friend. And uh, she recently got her dual citizenship and has been living in Italy now for just about a year. And she's going to just answer a few questions for us about why she went there and about her dual citizenship and the trials and tribulations. So hi, Tony. How are you? Hi, Bob. I'm great coming from Italy. And um, yeah, it's another gorgeous day in paradise. I know. And the sound quality is excellent. So we're in good shape, I think. Good. My first question is, after so many years in Los Angeles, why did you make the move? When I was growing up in New York, my mom, who was born in Abruzzo, would extol the virtues of her little hometown in Caramanico Terme my whole life. And I realized at one point that her love of Italy was more or less imprinted in my, you know, cellular composition, I guess. Uh, and because of her, I always loved the idea of Italy, even before the first time I went there, which was when I was about 18. And I continued to travel in Italy. And every time I went there and I had to come home from vacation, I'd always say, oh, I don't want to go home. I feel so comfortable here. This just feels so real to me. It feels it feels right. And um, so for about 30 years, I would tell anyone who would listen to me how much I wanted to live in Italy. And uh, I tried to get my citizenship through my grandfather, but that was before the internet. And it was very difficult to get records because his records were not accurate. And they also, oh, well, I'll tell you later about that through the consulate, but so I didn't get my citizenship at that time. But then I also tried to get a, uh, a company, either American or Italian, to sponsor me in Italy. And that was impossible, too. So I put my dream on hold for a while. And then one day I was talking to someone who lived in Florence and I went through my usual routine of, oh, Florence, I love Florence. I want to live in Italy. And he was the first person that ever said to me, well, what are you doing about it? And that kind of got me on the ball again to figure out a way to move to Italy. And so um, I, about three, uh, no, now it's about four years ago, I started the process of my dual citizenship and, um, and I received it in, in May. But there are other reasons why I moved here. The, the first one was that I just loved Italy. And then after 30 years of living in, in Los Angeles, I just got tired of living in my car, driving everywhere, being stuck constantly um, on the road. And I wanted to live in a smaller community. I wanted to live in Italy so I could learn the language. And I wanted to live in Italy so that I could travel more throughout Europe. And um, I wanted to be part of a culture that I felt really close with. I wanted to be able to walk places and walk to museums and, and be part of a smaller community because Los Angeles is huge. 
and I wanted, uh, I just wanted a different lifestyle. I, I wanted to be in a smaller community and everything kind of uh, narrowed down to living in Italy. I mean, I, I, I looked at other places to live in the States like Florida and the Northeast and other parts of the Northwest and nothing really felt right to me. And I thought if I'm going to make another big move, I might as well just move to Italy already. So I ended up, I was taking Italian classes in, in Los Angeles and they had a partnership with an Italian school here in Salerno. So I won a scholarship and then I came here. And at the same time I was working on my citizenship and at the same time, I closed out everything. My job, uh, I ended my job. My my apartment lease was up in Los Angeles. And everything just seemed to work out perfectly right. So I thought, okay, then, this is it. The universe is telling me it's time for me to do it. So um, I just sold everything and kept a few boxes of memorabilia and things I couldn't let go of and um, kept them with my friends in LA. And then I just packed up and got a one-way ticket and moved to Salerno. And I have been here now for a year. March 1st will be exactly a year. So this is almost like my anniversary podcast. And, um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, the, you know, the cost of living is also less here, which makes a huge difference. Um, and the food is less, it costs, generally it costs less for most things, um, which is very appealing. And getting rid of your car is huge, you know, none of the expenses that go along with that. And um, so overall, I got everything I wanted, everything, everything. I got to ride on motorcycles all last summer, and that was really fun. And I've been doing some traveling and, and going to all the museums. I went to a Sagra, which is like an agricultural outdoor festival where they celebrate whatever they make on that particular farm or that particular city. And I danced the Tarantella with some new people and I've been doing all kinds of things here. So it's exactly where I want to be right now. Right. And I, I know from, from living in um, England for two years it's so much different when you're there as opposed to, you know, just being a tourist and, you know, looking around and, and things. So, so what was the, what was the biggest hurdle in, in getting the citizenship? Quite honestly, the only problem I had was the LA consulate. <laughs> they were just <laughs> so difficult. I mean, I made an appointment and at this point it, it was a year in advance. So that was pretty good from what I was told. But at the time I'm like, what? I have to wait a year. So I had all my documents within less than six months and I had to get three generations. I had to get my grandfather's, my father's and all of my documents together, birth, death, marriage, um, citizenship, and my own, uh, my own documents. So they were probably, I think one time I tallied it out and there were about 60 documents that I had to have, which included uh, the documents themselves, translations, and then um, another certification that you have to get. Um, and then, uh, and I was dealing with everything from 
from California, so it was taking a lot longer. I had to get documents from New York and Italy. But it all worked out until I discovered after the first appointment with the dreaded LA consulate, I heard stories about them. I read horrible reviews on the uh, on their website and anywhere in general, there were horrible websites. They were good for visas, but they were not good in the, the uh, citizenship department. <clears throat> so um, I went there and I was so nervous because there are rules, you know, you can't go in with a handbag, you can't have this, you can't have that. And you go in like, it's like a um, airport security. And, um, and you also have to have the exact amount of money to pay from that day's uh, uh, money, you know, conversion to euros. So I had to make sure I got to the bank on time and then I got there and then, ugh. anyway, so I get there and, <laughs> And I get this really scary looking guy and you're talking to them through like bulletproof plexiglass. And I can understand why, because they make you so angry. You, you want to like blast them when, you, you know, they tell you, no, this is not correct. And I'm like, what? I went, you know, I went through all my documents with a fine tooth comb, but it turns out that I didn't match up my grandfather's age with his marriage certificate so evidently he lied about his age by about I think it was only three weeks or four weeks but that turned everything upside down so he said you have to come back with the right information and also this isn't his citizenship document this is his naturalization document and I thought they were one and the same so I did researching and then I finally found um, an attorney who would get me all the necessary backup and explain to me in a letter that eventually I had to put in my name. But uh, I attached all these other people who came over at that time, other immigrants, and this was literally 100 years ago. So they didn't call it naturalization. They called it a citizenship papers. So the people in the consulate were these young whippersnappers and, and they didn't know from, you know, a hundred years ago, they're only thinking about the current documents and what they're called. So I had to get back up. I had to get proof that that's what it was called. So, so this attorney in Los Angeles was very nice and she gave me everything I needed. And they told me I didn't have to make another appointment to come back. I could just go there. And I, I said, okay, fine. Um, but, but I did have a meltdown when he told me that because I was so nervous. And, you know, it was also, you know, bureaucratic and scary. And, and it was just an awful, for me, it was an awful experience. And I had a meltdown. So he got nervous when he saw me crying. <laughs> he got very nervous. He really thought that I was going to go over the top. So he said, you don't have to make an appointment when you come back. You just come back and, and see me. I said, Ugh, all right, fine. So it was about three months. That was August. And then I was able to get all this documentation by January. So I went back, gave him everything, and that was fine. But that was the worst part of it for me because, um, you know, they just make it so scary and so finite. You know, if you make an you know, if, you, if your documents are wrong, then you have to get everything and make another appointment. And 
So I guess it helped to have a meltdown because that got me a second appointment without a problem. But that was the biggest hurdle. I mean, everything else I just had to be patient for, you know, being in California. And I used um, a fax machine a lot back and forth. I got forms. I downloaded all the forms online. And I think all total, it came to maybe a little bit more than $2,000 and a lot of time. And I actually even uh, developed kind of a, a spreadsheet for all of the documents that were needed, you know, when I received them, um, what was the next step that I had to do with that document. <coughs> um, so, and that really helped. And I was very organized. I was like laser concentrated on doing this every single day because I felt like if I let one day go by, that could be the day that I'll get the nice person in an office who's going to help me. Um, so overall, the people in New York and the New York office for vital statistics, uh, they were super nice. And then in upstate New York, I had to get other documents for my father and my grandfather and my parents' marriage certificate. So um, they were very nice. I met really nice people. I didn't meet them, but I spoke to very nice people along the way. So that was the worst hurdle. We'll be right back. Italian Roots and Genealogy is proudly sponsored by Your Dolce Vita and Dawn Matera, connecting people to their purpose in life and continuing their legacy. For more information, contact Dawn at www.yourdolcevita.com. Yeah, and I think the, I think the, um, the point that you made about, you know, having a spreadsheet and being organized is really it's really good. So, you know, a good advice for anybody who's thinking about doing it. So now that you're there, what's been the most difficult adjustment and what's been the easiest adjustment? The most difficult has been the language because um, I'm older and information doesn't stick in my brain. It kind of goes in one ear and out the other. I've been in school on and off and I'm out there talking to people, I'm making friends, and um, it's just been difficult. Uh, I'm normally very outgoing, and I wouldn't say that I'm the life of the party with a lampshade on my head, but I'm not a wallflower. But here, I'm like a three-year-old child who doesn't understand anything. You know, I kind of look around, and I... I try to gain snippets of conversations, but it's really, um, it's been very difficult and it's, it can be very isolating to not know exactly what's going on. Um, I'm okay with reading. I can read documents easier. I can read the newspaper. I can't read books yet because um, it's just too much. <laughs> But um, it's, I would say socializing is difficult. I can have superficial conversations in a store, except for the first time I ordered a kilo of prosciutto, the woman looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> and I said, yeah. She goes, are you sure? You know, certo? I said, oh, si, si, un kilo. <laughs> and then somebody, you know, thankfully told me, you know, they, they put their hands like, you know, six feet apart and said, you know, well, this is a kilo. Is this how much prosciutto you want, lady? Get a, you know, hurry up and, you know, there's a line going on. So, um, yeah, that was embarrassing. And then another time 
you know, some words in Italian sound just like American words. So I had gotten some yogurt and this woman whose B&B I was staying in, I asked her if, um, you know, I was looking at the packaging and I said, you know, ci sono tante preservativo in questi yogurt. Are there, you know, preservatives in the yogurt? Um, and she looked at me in horror and I couldn't imagine what I said, you know, they're preservatives. But what I didn't know is that I asked her if there were condoms in the yogurt. <laughs> and she was just in horror that I did not know what I was saying. So, you know, it's things like that that either make you want to shut up for the rest of the time that you're here, or you just keep plodding along and hope that you don't make another, you know, horrific mistake. So it's the language I would have to say, and mainly because it's isolating. You know, I, I don't, I feel like a child. It's a very, what it is, is it's, it's a humbling, humbling experience. And if you can allow yourself to be humbled into feeling like a three-year-old, then the world slowly does open up, but it is, it's, it's something else. I got to tell you, it is really a different experience. You can't be a smart ass in Italy because if you can't speak the language, you just can't, you know, you can't be sarcastic. You can't be funny. You can't be, you know, you can't make an offhanded snide comment, you know, which is basically my life in the States. I can't be that here. So now I have, I'm humbled and I have to learn the language and hopefully eventually I can be sarcastic again. And let's hope so. We can only hope. And then the easiest thing has been the people have been so nice and they're just lovely and they're very patient with my, my language skills. And, you know, sometimes they'll correct me and then sometimes they don't. And I'm thinking, well, the times that they don't correct me, this might not be so good because now I'll, maybe I'm forming bad habits and God only knows what I'm saying, but you know, they've been overall very nice. Um, it's really easy to get around. You know, I take trains a lot. I walk a lot. I walk mostly everywhere. And then, you know, I can take trains over to the Amalfi Drive. And, and I, you know, I went to Herculaneum a couple of weeks ago. And um, I just thought to myself, God, I don't have to go home. I live here. I live in Italy. I live here. I don't have to go home. And so it's just, for me, it's been my dream come true. I know. And it's just, there's so much to see there. I mean, it's, I know it's incredible. Yeah. There's so much to see. There's so much to eat, which, yeah, Bob, (laughs) there's there's a lot to eat here. Um, we're making a list of of which which pastries that we're going to get and what food we want to order and oh my god well you're a foodie i'm not a foodie i basically live to survive but i mean i eat to survive i don't you know live to eat but that said it is really difficult to walk in the streets of naples and you just every 2 feet you either smell the arancini, you know, fresh out of the oven, you either smell these great fried foods or you look at these dolce desserts and you can't believe how beautiful they are. They're just beautiful. Uh, it, it's, 
You know, I'm just speechless sometimes. Naples is very difficult because they have incredible, you know, they've got those, um, um, the uh, sfogliatella, you know, the, those, the, layered, the layered things that have and with the cream inside. And I didn't know this, but you can get them hot. So when you go to Naples and you go into the old town, you go to the Galleria and at the end of one of, one of the ends of the Galleria, there's a, a kiosk there and they'll heat up the sfogliatella for you. Or you can get it elsewhere, but they have really good sfogliatella there. So but the funny thing is, you know, the fried food doesn't make me sick. So yippee, I can now eat fried food like I need that. And, um, it, you know, it's just everywhere. The anancina that I mentioned is rice. They're like rice balls. And they're, I think they're more famous for coming from Sicily, I think. I never remember. Although I do see them all over the place in Naples. But um, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's an obsession. And I, I laughed at everyone here when all the conversations I heard were all about food. I mean, I just kept, I would go to somebody's house or I'd go to the gym, wherever I went, I would hear the word manjade or some variation of that. And they talk about where they're going shopping for their you know, prosciutto or where they're going to go for lunch or how did you make that pasta? Or what kind of pasta was that? Or, or how much did you pay for that? Oh, that guy's, he's a, you know, he's a robber. He'll, he'll charge you three times as much. Don't go there. You know, they, and they have their special places for coffee that they go to. And, you know, I never knew this, but they give you like a little glass of water and the water is to clear your palate so that you can drink the coffee. Before I knew this, I was using the water to clear my palate from the coffee. So, you know, live and learn. Um, yeah, so everyone is very compulsive about food, and there's no escape from it. And uh, and I and, and I asked someone, I said, what is the deal? Why do they just talk about food all the time? It makes me crazy. And he said, well, it's sort of like talking about the weather. You know, if you go to a dinner or dinner, if you go to a party, if you go somewhere, it's like an opening conversation and you ask somebody, so where's your favorite pizza place? And then, you know, they'll go on for an hour. And that's the way it is. Everybody knows about cooking. They know. I learned that the reason when you go to a restaurant or you go to someone's home, the reason they, you know, they have seven different uh, courses is because they're all separate. In America, you get everything on one plate and you eat it however you want. But here you get one thing at a time so that you don't screw up your taste buds. So if you're eating, you know, a delicious piece of, you know, roasted chicken, you really can taste the chicken here is incredible. You can, oh, my God, it's happening. I'm talking about food. I know I get you to talk about food. Yeah, I know. I know. I just, I can't believe, I can't believe that I talk about food. I'm not as, you know, I'm not as compulsive, but I do find myself talking about food more than I ever did. You have to find these real Italian restaurants when you go there and do a little blog post on those. Rather than sending people to the tourist places, we'll send them to these out-of-the-way Italian places. Well, I did take a couple of um, cooking classes, which was fun. And yes. oh, that was one of my blogs. Uh, yeah, that was really good. Lasagna with hard-boiled eggs. Good God. 
that, that was just unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I think the easiest thing has been, you know, the people and their openness and um, they're just, they're very friendly here. And also I'm told it's because we're in the South, you know, in the North, the people are a little colder, um, which I'm sure has something to do with the weather. But here in the South, you know, everybody's just so kind and they're warm and and friendly and they give you directions and, you know, they don't laugh at you. Well, <laughs> in your face, maybe they're laughing at you <laughs> after you leave, but I don't know. All right. Well, I really appreciate it. I know everybody's going to love this one. So, you know, I'll have it out. I'll have it up there in the, the next couple of days. And um, for, for everybody who's listening, Tony's also, a, oh, I have to say Antonia now. Well, that's because every. Everybody knows me here as Antonio, and you're the only person I know that calls me Tony. And I'm going to start calling you Roberto because, you know, that's what they're going to call you in another month. That's right. That's right. Uh, but Antonia also does a guest blog for us, and I think we've done uh, six or seven so far. So you could also look those up. Yeah. Seven. We did seven. Um, yeah. And my next one, I think, is going to be on Puglia, which if anyone comes from Puglia, um, it'll be a fun one. And I have fantastic pictures. And um, yeah, so I welcome you to read that. It's under my name. And the name of my blog is My Big Fat Move to Italy. Yeah. So yeah, on Facebook. So look for it, enjoy it, and uh, come visit. I'll give you the walking tour in Salerno. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Bob. Okay, yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook in the Italian Genealogy Group or at www.italiangenealogy.blog.